0: Satan knows when we are full of faith that we can move mountains. So anything he can do to bring discouragement, it's a mechanism that he uses to undermine our faith. Because when you and I are full of faith, then unbelief has been addressed because faith drives it out. And when we're full of faith, then the possibilities are endless because all things are possible. So when one turns to the light, and that's us, we've turned to the light, we've turned to Jesus, we receive the light, we've welcomed him, invited him into our life, and then we walk in the light. Darkness and its desires lose their their appeal. We don't have an appetite for them anymore because we've turned away from darkness and we've embraced the light, we've received the light, and now we purpose to walk in the light. And that's God's will for each and every one of his children. So Paul mentions the shield of faith and notice when he mentions the shield of faith, he said it does something that none of the other components of the armory do. It quenches or it extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy, not some, but every single one of them. So if I was a strategist, in other words, if I was the enemy of your soul, I would try to take away a key component to you Winning or having victory through Christ. And that is I would attack your faith. Because if I attack your faith. And get you to start drifting. And denying. And you know walking away from your faith. Then I can keep you from experiencing victory. It, it was the, uh, the, the Japanese empire's scheme during World War II that if they could take out Pearl Harbor and they could own the South Pacific and the Asian seas, then they could rule that part of the world. Their strategy was if we take out the largest fleet of ships and they're stationary, they're just there waiting to be attacked, then there's no way that anyone can keep us from owning all of this territory. And from having jurisdiction in all of this way, well, Satan is just as much a strategist as that is that he looks at the armor and while all of it is a threat to him let 's not kid ourselves. He goes after the faith first, he goes after your faith first, and, and and accordingly, he wants us to suffer. He wants those fiery darts to get through those those accusations. He wants us to yield to those temptations, to give place to the flesh, to go back to the world, and to live by the senses. Here's a significant sign that you're in a spiritual battle. Is your faith under attack? Is your confidence and assurance in Christ under attack? In Luke 8, Jesus asked his disciples in the midst of the storm, where is your faith? Because if he could help them to... To connect and to hook up and apply their faith, the storm would not overcome them. They would overcome the storm. So when the enemy comes and we're all in a spiritual battle, the moment you said yes to Jesus, the, the, the devil, whether, you know, we realized it or not, when we were apart from Christ, he was the enemy of our soul. When we came to Christ, he's the enemy of our soul. His nature has always been the enemy of humanity's soul. And, but he lost jurisdiction. He lost, he, he, he lost his authority in your life and you now have been translated and you belong to Jesus. You are now the children of the Most High God. And that, through that new birth, through being born again, through the acknowledgement of Jesus' Lordship in your life, right, Satan lost authority. But he still is the enemy of our soul. And so he's going to attack us. But through Christ and because of Christ, we can always triumph. Satan's, therefore, number one target is faith. Is faith. Scripture says we are saved by faith in the Son of God. We're to walk and live by faith in the one who loved us and gave himself for us. It even declares without faith, it's impossible to please him because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Our life with God all began with childlike faith. That's where the origins of our relationship with Jesus were all formed, was with childlike faith. The Apostle Paul was so happy to hear a report from the Thessalonians that their faith was growing exceedingly. It just caused his heart to be enlarged, and he was so pleased with that. Why is that? Because Jesus said, it's according to your faith, it will be unto you. It will be according to your faith. In today's world, you know, many people, when they talk about Christendom, they talk about the number of people that maybe attend events or the beautiful buildings or big budgets that they have to steward. But the early church didn't discuss Christianity or faith in God that way at all. They discussed Christianity as a life that trusted in Jesus and was committed to Jesus. Jesus even asked this question, when he returns, will he find faith? And in Luke 18, when he's asking that question, it's in light of using a persevering widow who would just continue to persevere and to seek until she reached justice. We are kept every day, scripture says. This is a beautiful scripture in Thessalonians. Every day we are kept by the power of God, through faith. This shield of faith is designed to extinguish every single one of the fiery darts of the enemy. I, I, the, Isaiah the prophet says that, that there's weapons that are going to be formed against us. But those weapons will not prosper. What's going to keep them from prospering is when you and I hold up our faith. And live by faith. And trust. In the living God and have faith in God. Jesus even commanded his disciples have faith in God. It was not something that he was implying. It was something that he was expecting them to do. And what kind of faith was he talking about? The kind of faith that would see results. The kind of faith that would move mountains. And that God would be glorified. So it's been said. You know that in, in Luke's gospel. Let me go here. Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter five. Why don't you find that real quick, if you would? And uh, the Apostle Paul reminded us that this is the victory that overcomes the world. And when you talk about the world or the world system, uh, Scripture describes the world this way: it's the lust of the eyes and and the, and the lust of uh, and the pride of life and and greed or or those things. So it, it's all of those attributes. It's you know, the world and, and the world and the luster of the world sort of loses its grip on us when we behold and we begin to grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. So the world, with all its lust and pride and greed and temptations, uh, is overcome by faith in the Son of God. In Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 5, there's there's an account that I want to read here, uh, and it, it, when I read this, no matter how many times I've read it, I'm just always amazed at uh, what is what's being communicated here in the word of God. It says, now it happened on a certain day in verse 17, as he, Jesus, was teaching that there was a Pharisee. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judah and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And now it's implying that the power of the Lord was present to heal who? Who is it mentioned so far? Well, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. It was it was there for them. It was there for their taking. And why? Because Jesus was teaching. And what happens when Jesus is teaching or the word of God is being taught? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there was the opportunity for them at this moment to receive a need met in their life. The power, what did it say? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Alright, notice in verse 18, Then behold, men brought a man, uh, uh, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now he, he sees the faith of these, these friends that are bringing their friend into the presence of Jesus. And notice what it did. It, it caused Jesus to declare that his sins were forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. They began to get over in their head. They, they got tripped up saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When we get over in our reasoning, we can miss out on what the Spirit is saying. We can miss out on what the Spirit is doing. We can misinterpret what the Spirit has the possibilities of doing. And so, and and uh, and Jesus in verse twenty-two perceived their thoughts, and he answered and he said to them, "Why are you reasoning in your hearts?" Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house immediately ever say immediately. Things happen in an environment of faith. And they can happen suddenly. They can happen immediately. Immediately, the man that was on the bed, who was brought by his friends, who Jesus recognized their faith, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house. Notice the last part. Glorifying God. Glorifying God is what the end of faith produces. Uh, Abraham was... The father of faith, we know that from scripture, and in Romans chapter 4 it said he was strong in faith, but pay attention to this next part, giving glory to God. What does, what do people of faith do? They know how to give God glory because they know with God immediately things can change. And, and this is the realm that faith brings us into. Faith brings us into the realm of possibilities. So if the enemy can keep you out of the realm of possibilities and in the realm of reasoning, he can keep us captive. He can keep us insensitive to the spirit. He can keep us, dull as to the spirit's activity. But if we can hold the enemy in the realm of faith, then we keep him inactive in our life and we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the enemy would love to keep us in the realm of reasoning or the realm of the senses or captivated or in love with the ways or the things of this world. He'd love to get us attached to the things that we see, the things that we can figure out, the things that we possess, because if he does so, he can keep us out of the realm of faith. Because then we begin to misapply where our trust needs to be. We start to trust in our own understanding instead of trusting in God. We start leaning on our own wealth or positions or instead of trusting in God. We start, you know, trying to, to ascertain through the senses what the best decision or course direction for our life should be instead of trusting in God. If the enemy can hold us in the realm of the senses, your five senses that God has given you for a distinct purpose, but it's not for spiritual warfare, it's so that you can taste your food and enjoy it. It's so that when you go outside on a cold day, you know you need another layer of clothes. On a, on a warm day, uh, that you can run around in shorts and a T-shirt and be fine. Your senses serve you in a certain capacity, but not when it comes to spiritual warfare. Not when it comes to the things of the spirit. Not when it comes to the things of God. And so the enemy being a spiritual enemy, you're in a spiritual war with the weapons of our warfare are not natural or carnal, but they're spiritual. And notice what scripture says in first Corinthians in chapter 10. They're mighty through God. They're, they're not mighty because of us. They're mighty through God. And notice what they do. They abolish and they tear down every stronghold. What's a stronghold? A way of rationalizing something and trying to understand it apart from the spirit. Figure, 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 figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, rationalize it, rationalize it, rationalize it. And, and, and if the enemy can hold us there in that realm, he can hold us outside of victory. And faith, the shield of faith was given unto us, and the means to have faith was given unto us, so we could quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, so we could hold him in the arena, in the arena, of faith and God would be glorified. So that's how important faith is. Say Jesus saw. I, I love this in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter five. Jesus saw or perceived or recognized their faith. It had substance, and and that goes right along with Hebrews eleven one. Now faith is the substance of what things hope for. That's future tense. Of things not seen. Notice the realm where, where faith takes us. Towards things that God has for us. And towards the spiritual realm or the unseen world. You know, if the enemy can keep us in the, the seen or the material, then he does have an advantage. Because this is what he does. Look at your bank account. Look at your bank account. You don't have enough money. But the arena of faith says, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That riches and glory is an unseen realm. How do I tap into that unseen realm? By faith. And how is that? Well, you have to say to the mountain, God still supplies all of my needs. If the Lord can get you to look at the circumstances and get you to be governed by the senses and not apply or interject your faith in what Christ has done. Of course, he's going to leverage that. He'll try to get us to look at the situation, maybe a wayward son and daughter. And in your own understanding, you know how they can ever come back to Jesus. But if you can hold the arena of Satan in the arena of faith, you can believe God to send a laborer across their path because God has people in every field so they could hear the gospel and come to Christ. But you're going to have to have faith in God to do that. The enemy would love to get us to look at physical infirmities and wonder how could anyone be made whole. In the arena of faith says we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But if the enemy can say, well, that doesn't make any sense. The enemy will say that. That's a fiery dart. That doesn't make any sense. I can't figure that out. How does that work? But in faith, in the realm of faith, it, it pulls us out of the natural realm and it pulls us over into the arena where God lives and works. That's why, why Jesus, when he saw their faith, And we know Jesus sees right through. I mean, you know, if there's anyone that you can't hide anything from, it's Jesus. He sees he perceived their thoughts. He looked right into the situation and he saw faith because faith has corresponding actions. I mean, they tore the tile off. They. They did something to get their friend in a position where God could do what only God could do. And Jesus saw their faith and faith. Not only brings forgiveness, we see faith here brings healing. It's one in the same work of the cross. And so, of course, the enemy wants to, you know, attack and undermine and get us to be distracted and get us to move away from the faith. And eventually, you know, he hopes that we would even deny the faith and just say, you know, we're just going to just go out there and, and just live the way the world lives or act the way the world acts. Thank God for faith. It brings us into that realm of possibilities. Into that realm. You know, so Satan's strategy, and I'm closing with this, of course, is to steal faith because he's a thief. Faith is likened unto a seed. The life is in the seed. If it finds fertile soil and someone's heart is fertile like fertile soil, then when watered, it will produce a harvest. It'll produce fruit. The life is in the seed. You know, um, You know the soil is is important. The parable of the sower tells us that. The condition of the soil is important. You know, three out of the four conditions of man's heart, which was like in the soil, didn't produce fruit. But one did. One that heard the word of God, accepted it, and applied it to their life. These are the ones that brought forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Notice the ones that didn't produce and see if you can understand why the enemy is trying to get the seed of faith to fall on soil in our heart that won't produce. One is someone that doesn't value the word of God, and so that was known as a wayward heart. Someone tells them the word of God, and they don't perceive or care or value it, so they don't receive the seed or receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save their soul. The other one, offenses. Ever say offenses, okay. offenses came, and when offenses came, it choked out the word the seed who 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 is the one who's bringing offenses Satan and so if if he can get someone offended, he can keep the seed of faith from germinating and producing a harvest and then it was uh, it, it was the deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things and and choke out the word and the cares of this of cares of this life. So the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. So that's the arena that Satan wants mankind to operate in. And and but God has made a way for us, right, to operate in a different realm, by a different set of rules, because of Christ. And in Christ we win, and because of Christ we win. So I, I said I was closing, so I have to be true to my word. Amen? I have to have on the belt of truth here. So uh, he the enemy, you know, therefore wants us. He wants us to trust in our intellect and the faith is of the heart with the heart. One believes under righteousness. So Jesus was never amazed at someone's position or their monetary wealth that never impressed Jesus. But what he was amazed at was the centurion's faith. He, he was amazed at the centurion's faith that that he just said, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. That That Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this. I haven't even located it in Israel, but he found it here. He said he'd never seen faith like that. He was also impressed with a woman's faith. He said, great is your faith. He told a woman, great is your faith. This this woman, you know, who who had spent all of her money and, and was no better off. And here she made, made it into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus said it, no, you have great faith. Your faith has made you whole. So... Faith appropriates the promise, the power, and the provision of God, and faith in God is born in the heart it 's supernatural it 's eternal it comes from every word of god and i I just want us to close, and I want your eyes to to look on this this verse uh, romans ten seventeen one that 's very familiar, but it 's good that we we look at it again, and it says, so then now those are words that are indicating I'm about to say something that you really need to probably highlight, consider. So then, so he'd already said a lot of things, but now he's saying so then. And what he had been talking about is how people come to God. He'd already he'd already talked to him about if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And But they're wondering, what's the road to get to that? He said, so then, this road, this path, this faith that causes you to be born again, that causes you to know the salvation, came to you, comes to you, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the faith that led you to Jesus is the faith that will lead you forward with Jesus to overcome. How many of the fiery darts of the enemy? Once you put your faith in Jesus, could Satan stop you from being saved? No. Once you put your faith in Jesus, can Satan stop anything that God has provided for you from coming to pass? No. But in the process, you're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to continue to believe. You're going to have to do what Paul said to the church. Stand. Having done all, keep standing. And then when you're done, stand some more. Because you're in a battle. And this battle that you're in is a battle to stay in faith. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. So I want to finish by asking you this question. What does your faith teach you to do? Another thing, way to say it is, what does the word of God teach us to do? Then let's do this. Your intellect works in certain arenas, not in the faith arena. Just like your senses work in certain arenas. It's a gift from God. But faith works when it comes to the provision, the power, the presence, and the possibilities of God. You want victory? Realize Satan is after this. He wants to keep you from this. Do you know praise and worship music has a place in your life, but not above this? Heaven and earth will pass away. But God's word will never pass away. While it's true that we'll worship with the angels in heaven for all eternity and we'll worship Jesus. This is why we worship him. Because we have a message that causes us to love him and be endeared to him and know him. I know Jesus through his word. I express that knowledge and love for him through my worship. Thank you for listening to today's message.